TGIM Team RE. This is episode 304. Reaching out for that help helped me. And that's one of the things that has been keeping me sober is just that sense of community, um, being, being with other like-minded people. With- Welcome to the Recovery Elevator podcast. My name is Odette Kressler. Thank you so much for joining us. On today's podcast, we've got Kyle. Kyle took his last drink on May 31st, 2020. He is from Michigan and he is 33 years old. We recorded this a few weeks ago. And as I went back to review my notes and re-listen to our conversation, I got very inspired to write out this introduction. So I wanted to say thank you to you, Kyle. I hope you're listening and I hope you know the impact that doing this is going to have on so many people that you don't even know. The ripple effect of sobriety still blows my mind sometimes. Before we get started, I want to remind you all that registration is now open for our Restore course, launching in less than three weeks. Registration and details are live at www.recoveryelevator.com forward slash restore. During this course, we will be focusing on creating a life where alcohol is no longer needed. You will connect with others across the globe, learn tools and techniques to help with life stressors and more. I'm personally super excited to be teaching one of the sessions where I hope to meet some of you listeners out there in person. Well, not in person, kind of in person. It's all via Zoom, but you know what I mean. Alrighty, let's work on finding your better you. Lately, I've been thinking about how sometimes we get stuck. Stuck in certain habits, stuck in certain trains of thought, stuck in certain feelings. To me at least, being stuck feels paralyzing. It's like I'm playing that freeze game with my kids. I'm starting to slowly discover that something that helps me get unstuck is to ask myself different questions. I have a mantra slash prayer that I like repeating when I feel stuck. It goes like this. I just think about it and repeat it as often as I can. And it says, please help me see things differently. Nothing changes if nothing changes, right? So when I ask to be shown the same scenario through a different lens, I give myself an opportunity for change. A window opens up for creativity and possibly a solution that I wasn't able to discover previously. And I feel like I get a little unstuck. So that's progress. I remember being stuck in a cycle of field research a couple of years ago. I kept focusing on how much of an alcoholic I wasn't, and I was searching for evidence that proved that theory. Am I an alcoholic? Nope. My life hasn't falling apart. I don't have a DUI. I haven't lost my family due to this. Am I an alcoholic? Nope. My health is great. I work out multiple times a week. I wake up at five in the morning and get my day going with my morning routine. I eat healthy. I play with my kids. Am I an alcoholic? Nope. I drink like the rest of my friends. I read this article one time that even said that if I had one to two glasses of wine per night, I was even helping my health and my heart. Am I an alcoholic? Nope. 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 So why did I keep having this conversation in my head then? Why did I keep worrying that I possibly was an alcoholic or someone that simply had an unhealthy relationship with booze? Why did I keep getting this nudge that even though I didn't know how to live a life without alcohol, the solution to all of my inner turmoil was probably sobriety? 
And so I went on to the same question. Am I an alcoholic? Nope. In Spanish? In Espanol? No. Well, shit. I'm not sure when it happened, but one day there was a shift. I asked myself a different question. Is alcohol allowing me to be my best self? No. Boom. I got a little unstuck. Does alcohol steal my patience, calm, and ability to stay present? Yes. Double boom. Does alcohol match up with the idea I have of myself? No. Triple boom. Guys, I think that's considered a turkey when you hit three strikes in a row when you're bowling. It is, right? Fun fact, I love bowling. We don't have the turkey thing in Spanish, but I am kind of a bowling pro. I've also realized that I bowl way better when I haven't had beers before the game. Duh. Anyway, back to the point. Different questions started allowing me to see things differently and to feel less stuck. It was easier to process in my mind why quitting was probably the way for me once I started getting these different answers. Here are a few other questions that got me thinking. Does alcohol make me small? Does alcohol make me feel sluggish in the morning? Does alcohol make me forget things? Does alcohol make me feel out of control? Does alcohol blur my memories? Does alcohol hinder my creativity? Does alcohol make me more edgy? This exercise became powerful for me. Different answers didn't immediately get me out of my field research stage. It took a lot of day ones to get me here. However, with this new perspective also came confidence and acceptance. I knew my path. I knew what I needed to do. But most importantly, I started to believe I deserved being my best self. So tell me, friends, if you're feeling stuck, are you asking yourself the wrong question? All right. Eso es todo, mis amigos. And before we hear from Kyle, let's hear from my favorite resource on this journey, Cafe Ari. When I decided I wanted to pursue an alcohol-free life, I knew I didn't want to do it alone. I joined Cafe Ari almost immediately after I found it and was so surprised at the amount of grace, support, and love that was offered to me right away. One of the things that I realized was that I had a lot in common with the people in this community. People all over the world with similar feelings and struggles that truly understood me. Community matters and lining up with people that have the same goal in mind really helped me stay the course on my journey, especially when I came across some bumps on the road. When joining Cafe RE, you get 24-7 access to a group full of others whose priority it is to live an alcohol-free life. These groups are capped at under 400 members to ensure quality connection. In Cafe RE, you'll find that quitting drinking can be fun. For $19 a month, you get access to the community, you get paired with an accountability partner, you can attend educational online webinars, attend in-person meetups, participate in book club, movie club, and more. You'll also get discounts to retreats and sober travel trips. 15% of our monthly fees goes towards our service project, where we work with a nonprofit helping those who have been affected by addiction. Go to recoveryelevator.com and use the promo code OPPORTUNITY to waive the setup fee. Again, use the promo code OPPORTUNITY to waive the setup fee. I can't wait to see you all there. Kyle, how are you today? I'm good. I appreciate you having me. This is a big milestone in my recovery, so I'm excited to be here. 
so grateful that you're here and so happy that our listeners will get to share your story. And let's get right into it. When was the last time you had a drink, Kyle? On May 31st, 2020. This crazy year. Everyone that's getting sober in this year, I'm like, I applaud you twice as much because it's been so wild. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, the whole thing's been kind of disheartening. So, um, yeah, it's kind of a weird time to quit drinking, I guess. But I'm, I feel a lot better. I have a clear head. I'm, I'm really happy that I took that step. Yeah, you should feel very proud of yourself. There's a lot of people out there who are still struggling. So I'm really glad that you made the decision. And can you give listeners a little background? Can you let us know where you're from? Do you have a family? What are your hobbies? What do you do for a living? And what do you like to do for fun? Sure. Yeah, I'm from Michigan. I grew up here. <clears throat> I'm uh, 33 years old. I'm married with three young children, all girls. I uh, work in the automotive industry as a program manager. And for fun, I've been planning with my wife. That's been nice doing that with a clear head and looking forward to our future with the children. And also, I like gaming. And although I'm not very good at it and I don't give it as much time as I used to, I, I like to run. Do you have all the girls at home with you right now? Like, how has it been? Just no, like the actually, yeah, I was a little worried about that. And my wife suggested to me, I'll just take them to the park. I was like, well, that works out great. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, just like general in this lifestyle. Like, are you guys, are you working from home? Is everyone at home all the time now due to COVID? Oh, no, no, no. Um, yeah, actually, I worked from home for a little while when the pandemic started. But uh, recently, I've been at work. We just, that my company, we take precautions they you know measure everyone's temp and we have to fill out a questionnaire and as far as my wife's concerned she works for family and she has flexible hours so she's home when she needs to be home but she does work too but it hasn't been a major issue for us that's good i feel like with the whole school and preschool and having to have the kids at home my kids are still going to preschool also with yeah. all the precautions but i feel for I of that myself yeah because our oldest is going to be four and so she's starting preschool soon and yeah that's one thing i was a little weary of but i just feel like it's such a an important time for their development intellectually so we decided to you know just to educate her the best we can best you can with a you know four-year-old that you know she needs to wear her mask and practice social distancing and the school's taking precautions so we're just we just went for it but yeah I was I am a little weary of it too at the same time yeah it's so delicate everything that's going on so it's really great to hear that you're dealing with everything with a clear head and that you're being fully present and can you give us a little more background on your history with drinking when did you start drinking when did you realize alcohol wasn't serving you anymore and just tell us your story okay sure yeah I appreciate you asking I the addiction wasn't really until I hit my 20s but I think it was something that started early in my life because it was so normalized in my family and the first time I actually got drunk I was 14 but fast forward in my 20s I'm working a third shift manufacturing job I'm um, going to school trying to finish school during the day I'm volunteering with my city trying to beef up my resume and I'm attempting to start a business and I was just experiencing failures and one thing led to another I decided to have a couple beers after work one day and it took the edge off and I felt like I was at home and that two beers went to three and that three went to four and then four plus shots and then I was basically getting drunk every day for 
months on end and I, I barely gave myself a break. And I, I believe I got physically addicted at that time. And fast forward a little bit more, I was, you know, got promoted to uh, the engineering section in my building and they sent me to overseas for training for three years and it just got worse because I was in a culture I didn't understand. I was young. I was in a new industry I didn't understand. I had a lot of anxiety and I'm away, away from my wife, family and friends sleeping on a straw mat. And I just, it went from that four beer and shots to a six pack and shots every night. I was going to work with my teeth clenched and I had the shakes and I had customers asking me if I was cold and this was in the middle of summer. And it was just a vicious cycle. And I, I was drinking to cure my anxiety and I had anxiety because I was drinking. And I, I remember getting heart palpitations thinking, you know, if I don't, if I don't get out of Japan, this is going to kill me. And, but there was another voice inside me that said, well, you said you would do this, so you have to do it. And so somehow I got through it and I just brought that addiction, that bad habit home with me. And I tried quitting many times. This time is the longest I've ever gone without alcohol. And I want to say close to 10 years. I can imagine, like you said, you feeling like you were getting physically addicted and, and repetition creates this to where your brain knew that after every shift you would give it alcohol. But talk to me more about the dialogue that you were having in your brain. Like, when did you start noticing that you were using alcohol to cope? And how was that dialogue within yourself just being in that cycle? Yeah, so I think that's something I kind of, I realized at least subconsciously early on. And then it was, it, I think it was like right before I went to Japan, I noticed I was drinking too much. And I tried to quit, but I was trying to quit on willpower alone. And I, I didn't really understand the science behind alcohol and why I craved it so much. And it wasn't until um, later on that I realized the the price I had to pay to get that euphoria was higher than it was worth. And that euphoria that I got from drinking could be achieved in other ways. It wasn't until I had that understanding of what alcohol was and what the price I had to pay was exactly until I realized, until I was able to actually quit indefinitely. Yeah. And it, the price actually starts becoming higher and higher and the reward becomes lower and lower. So not only did you notice that you could get the reward by doing something else, but I think what also starts clicking with people, and I don't know if this is your experience, is that you can get a, a better bang for your buck doing something else because what happens with alcohol is as you start drinking more, that reward, you almost like... It, I don't know if this was the case for you, but like, was it even enjoyable at the end? A lot of people are like, it wasn't even enjoyable because I wasn't even getting what I needed. No, exactly. Yeah, it was really hard for me to get there uh, towards the end there. And I was just chasing something and it was not good. It wasn't, you know, it, was, it wasn't good for me. It wasn't good for the people around me. And yeah, her, the biggest thing for me that I, I, the reason I didn't like it, and I guess this is what kind of kicked it off me trying to quit is because there's things in my life that I want to do. And the worst thing about it for me was that it just steals your ambition. You know, I was just constantly fuzzy and I didn't have the drive. Even if there was something I wanted to do, it's like, well, I'll just do it tomorrow. 
because I was too tired and I didn't care enough to want to do it because I was an alcoholic and, you know, it, it took up a lot of mental mortgage, just thinking about when I'm going to get that next drink and then the physical toll on top of that just compounded it. So I think that was what really got me to quit now that I think about it as I'm talking to you was uh, just the fact that it steals your ambition. I was actually listening to someone the other day on social media talking about when you have that clear understanding of what type of life and what type of lifestyle you want, you need to understand that you need, this person was specifically talking about energy, not even addiction, but you need to have a certain amount of energy to match with the life that you've envisioned for yourself. And anything that is contributing negatively to that like energy fuel source that you need in order to live out that vision of like, this is what I want to do in my life. If that doesn't match with the energy that you have in your tank every single day, you're just like you said, like you're not going to have the drive behind that idea or that goal, because it's just, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't add up. So it's really neat just hearing you kind of have that aha moment just now as you're processing it. Yeah, I've never, uh, verbalized it like that but yeah you're right I guess that was you know my experience with it literally and I never really put it into words till now that's a really good way of looking at it and yeah I agree what happened when you came back from Japan and you noticed that you just you couldn't shake it how was that progression until your serious attempts at um, not drinking like was it becoming an issue with family other like just talk to me about how you did you have a rock bottom how did it get you to the point where you were like no mass. Yeah, my well, I don't think the rock bottom was one individual thing, but yeah, anytime I let someone down, uh, specifically uh, my wife or children, um, you know, my my kids are young enough that I hope they don't remember. But yeah, there were situations that you know, I I where I put my wife through a hard time, and not just that, but even for myself, where I'd wake up feeling. Um, ashamed. And um, I think what did it was I, you know, I was venting to her about it. And she actually, I don't know if it's hard to remember. I don't know if it was a suggestion or just something she told me I had to do and I did it. But I ended up seeing a doctor and I spoke to him about my issue. And after a year over over a year of embarrassing visits, and not being able to shake it, I was venting to my wife about it. And that's when she met, mentioned her friend who was uh, um, studying social work and had dealt with people who had issues with addiction. And I remember something my doctor says, you got to, you know, you might need help. If you can't do this, you're going to have to get help. And I did. I hated the idea of having to go to AA and getting help or going somewhere you know, for that, I, I felt like that's something as a, you know, as a man, I should be able to do on my own. But I just I had to swallow my pride. And I had to ask for help. And I didn't want to go to AA. So I went to my wife's friend. And she gave me some reference material that really helped. And she spoke to me a little bit about her experience, because she too struggled with addiction. And yeah, reaching out for that help helped me. And that's one of the things that has been keeping me sober is just that sense of community, um, being being with other like-minded people. Without that, I don't think I'd be able to do this. Yeah, it makes all of the difference. But I'm really grateful that you brought up that asking for help was hard because 
It is so hard. And for some of us, it is so much harder than for others. But I'm, I'm with you. Just the idea of having to show and share, like, I can't do this alone. Help. Like, it, for me, it's a lot of it is matched with the way that I was raised, where it was like, you do what you need to do. And you put your big girl pants on and you do it. But I was like, right. at some point, I was like, I understand that. And I'm a person who has, I had to really question, like, this still leaves me in the category of someone who's brave and has grit and has discipline. Like, all those things don't go away just because I need help. And for some reason, I thought that I would not be that strong person if I asked for help. Right. Yeah, exactly. And I guess in retrospect, I, I try to look at it positively that even though I got help from a friend, I, I still had to take that first step and get the help. So it's still something even, you know, it, it, it's still something I feel like I can take pride in, you know, because it was I, I still had to be the one to say, all right, obviously this isn't working and I need to do something different. And um, I know I'm tooting my own horn, but I, I feel like it takes a lot to do something like that. It totally does. So you can toot your horn all you want. We are big uh, supporters of like high-fiving yourself, pat on the back, because it's it's the opposite. You know, I feel like sometimes what's glorified is the struggle or it, it's just not normalized to speak positively about the work that we're doing. So I'm glad that you're giving yourself some credit. And tell me more about these attempts. Like when you realized you want to stop drinking, I know your date, you said this is the longest you've ever gone how has your journey be been? Like, have you had relapses, ups and downs? Like, walk me through how this has all been for you. So, yeah, it's just, you know, when I talk about it stealing your ambition, I feel like I've just been living in the fog for the last 10 years. And I feel like that's one of my life's regrets is, is uh, you know, spending my formative years drunk. And I think it goes back to what you're saying is your energy has to match your vision. I had a lot of vision, but no energy. And it was apparent throughout my drinking career. And yeah, I would attempt to stop, but then I would let my anxiety get the best of me. And I would wake up, I remember waking up every morning saying, you know, okay, this is gonna be the day I'm gonna quit. And then, you know, three, four o'clock would roll around and I was, you know, I was ready to rock and roll. I was, I'm gonna drink. It's just what I'm gonna do now, I'm feeling good. and. You know, I had a long day and I want to drink. So, um, yeah, it was a lot of back and forth mentally. You know, there's part of me I wanted to, another part of me that wouldn't let me. And there were times when I would go along what I consider a long stretch. I think the longest I went was like 25 days. My wife was doing this uh, Whole30 diet. And so I decided to join her because I wanted to get in shape. And I got 25 days in and it was a weekend. And I said, well, that's good enough. And I decided to have a few. But yeah, that was me trying to quit on willpower alone. And I didn't understand the science behind drinking or in the benefit of being sober. I was ignorant and I was scared. And like I said, I just let my anxiety and depression get the best of me. And I turned to drinking to cope. Did you notice that you were also like, were you ever resistant and resentful when when you were just trying to do this alone? Were you emotionally, did you notice that you were mad or what was your mental headspace yeah i guess that's another thing is i really lacked self-love and i just was really frustrated with myself all the time and i think that's what 
you know, that that was part of where my depression and anxiety came from. On the outside, like I had a good facade. I, I, I came off as a, as a confident, per, hardworking person. And I was hardworking. I was actually high-functioning. But I came off as this uh, confident person. But in my heart of hearts, there was a, a lack thereof. Like I, I wasn't the person I wanted to be internally. And yeah, so yeah, there was definitely a, a lot of that. There was a lot of, a lot of bad thoughts you know, regarding all that. How has this time been different for you, Kyle? Um, well, like I said, just getting help. And, you know, well, and a big thing is my kids. They're, they're driving a lot of this too. just, you know, my children and, you know, getting older and, and seeing them grow. Uh, that's a huge influence is my family. And that's one thing I'm really happy about when I, when I look at them. I don't have to have anxiety about being there for them. You know, I know I'll be there. Whereas before I was a little worried about my health and where I was going to be in 10 years and not just physically, but even just cognitively, I, I, I felt like I was always checking out and I just didn't have the energy to do anything with them. And I think that, yeah, I think that's a big deal this time around has helped me a lot. You definitely need a lot of energy to keep up with three girls. <laughs> oh, of course. Yeah, it's crazy. Tell me what you do when you get a craving, Kyle. Oh, uh, yeah, I just I sit with it. And I, I just, you know, a lot of things we've already spoke about in my history. I think about the morning after, you know, I, I think about my future and I think about what it can lead to. I, you know, I don't want 24 hours of fog you know, yeah, it's a, you get like an hour of euphoric feeling, but then, you know, you're out of service for a day, a day and a half. And then not to mention it leads to, you know, it leads to addiction. I, I don't want to go back. I, I feel like if I started drinking again, then, you know, the next day I'm going to go out and buy a six pack and I'm just back where I started. And I don't want to start that trend again. I love hearing from people. It sounds like you've made that shift where like, you know that there is nothing good waiting for you if you go back. You've almost like opened up this new realm of possibilities of understanding that this unknown, because before you didn't know how to be because you were drinking and that's how you used to cope. And now that you've kind of unlocked this level, almost like in a video game, it's like we all have our bottom moments and sometimes this journey requires for relapse and field research whatever you want to call it but i feel like our awareness like deep in your mind you know like there is nothing good waiting for me if i go back well yeah i think it's just a matter of you know it's not about being deprived it's about you know what you can do when you stop poisoning yourself and i feel like that's the that's the thing is i realize that you know what it's not just about being healthier in general it's about all the fun things i can do now that i am clear head headed and uh yeah it makes a big difference knowing that you can still enjoy life without feeling buzzed there you can almost get that same feeling from from achieving a hard life goal or you know going for a long run or i mean there's a lot of ways you can still achieve that feeling without having a drink and the the price is not nearly as it's actually not a price you're you're doing something healthy for yourself Tell me how staying sober and being clear minded and staying away from the drink has affected your anxiety and depression. Have you noticed the relationship that those had? Yeah, it's 
it's still there, but it's not um, as severe. I mean, the thing about drinking, like, yeah, it, it feels good while you're doing it, but um, your problem is still there. So I guess trying to intellectualize that um, was a big part of it. And just, yeah, it's kind of a strange thing. I think just getting older and more mature has helped me realize that. That's a part of it. But yeah, just knowing that I can deal with my problems, that the uh, drinking is not going to erase them no matter how much I drink. Yeah, my therapist, um, I, I have depression as well. And, and I'm on medication right now. And my therapist, I was very resistant, because even though I'm already open to receiving help, it comes in waves. Sometimes I still have a have a hard time receiving it. And she said, don't worry, like, this isn't a magical pill. Your problems are not going to go away. They are just going to become even more clear, maybe. But what the shift here is, is that they should be manageable. And sometimes what happens with mental health and there should be no shame attached to it is that a lot of the symptoms make us unable to manage and to handle real life problems that everyone's having and that we all have especially now with the pandemic, like life is hard and challenging, but it needs to be manageable because we can deal with things. But we have to make sure that, like you said, that layer of fog isn't there clouding our judgment, whether that's coming from alcohol or other mental disorders. Like when, when you are having an anxiety attack or you're feeling the symptoms of anxiety, I mean, I don't know how people can function. I felt that. And it's just not you can't make decisions you can't be your best self when you're feeling those things or when you're in having depression like a bout of depression you, you can't you feel that same fog that you describe yeah for sure can you tell me what a day in the life of kyle looks like <laughs> um yeah it's mainly just it's juggling my career and and uh you know in family life really so, uh, you know, I work during the day and then in the evenings I'm with my children and that that's a, you know, that takes up most of my time. So uh, on weekends, it's a little different, but, you know, that's kind of the day to day is work and then family. Do you have any habits or rituals in place that help you like deal with cravings or that you maybe used to have drinks after work and now you do something else after work as a replacement? Or how have you filled up that time that you used to use for drinking? That's a really good question, and I do think that's important. I, I notice that it helps to keep my hands busy, just doing stuff around the house and keeping busy with the kids. You know, I, I really don't need, a, um, as far as keeping busy, I don't need a, that outlet as much because I'm busy enough raising three girls and, and working. But, yeah, I am more focused on the things I love. Just, you know, that's that's a part because it's therapeutic. You know, it's more than just because I love them. It's also helping me stay clean. How old are they again? Uh, my oldest is going to be four in a month. And then I have one that is uh, turned two in May. And then my youngest is uh, almost six months old. Wow. You and I are on similar wavelengths in terms of parenting stages. It's definitely a very busy age. And for me, at least at times, it's even... Sometimes even they trigger me. It's hard because it, it's a lot of patience that's required right now. Oh, so you're OK. You're not I'm not the only one. <laughs> oh, no, no. I have an almost four year old. So um, my son will be four in October and my daughter will be six in September. So I, I don't have three kids. I have two. But 
I am in it with you (laughs) for sure. I mean, I mean, as far as being triggered by the children. Oh, completely. And, you know, one of the guys that I love listening to, and I've mentioned him on here before, Dak Shepard, he's an actor. He has his own podcast. And he said he actually it's weird because it's one of these contradictions of like his children and him becoming a father made him so confident in his decision but at the same time more triggered than he'd ever been once the babies came he was like (laughs) oh shit like this is gonna be it's a meditation in a way you know it's like a challenge and you have to sit through discomfort and it's out of your control but you think it's within your control i feel like children just bring up so many lessons wrapped up in one and it's beautiful but also really hard sometimes well yeah and i thought i thought i was actually my friend she mentioned that it got me laughing because i was like i feel like i feel like a bad dad because like she wants to you know have tea parties and pretend and play and do her thing with me and it's like i'm just not i can't it's hard it's hard for me and she's like well yeah but also you're not a three-year-old and i was like oh yeah that makes sense why i wouldn't be into that but yeah it's like uh i i love them so much and i love watching their personalities react to stuff and i love watching them grow and it's been a great experience. But yeah, there are there are some times when it's a, a little stressful. Well, yes, because it goes both ways. You're not three years old and they're not 33 years old. Right. So it, it, I can't get them to do the things I yeah. wanted either, so. Yes, but I mean, I hope you know how much you taking care of yourself is going to have a huge ripple effect on them and that's empowering to me I'm not perfect I have my moments as a parent but just knowing that I'm trying my best to clean up my side of the street and really just work on my shit like that I'm like okay I'm really hoping that that in itself will have a positive ripple effect and I know it's happening in your family as well so kudos yeah I'm I'm glad you mentioned that and I know um I know you mentioned your father struggled with it, so I think that change you made is going to have a big impact for sure. And I've thought about that myself, uh, hearing it on the show, because you know that exists in my family, and it's it's very worrisome for me. I I still struggle with it. I I don't even know what to do to be honest with you. You're already doing the right thing, so and they're young too, so don't worry. You'll know you'll know what to do, but you are. You are, with this decision, you are changing the trajectory of your family. That is very powerful. So keep that close. Keep that as a good reminder when you get a craving or where you, you know, we all get moments where, like you said, when you were doing the whole 30 of like, I got this. I think I'm good. It's good to have some reminders of like why we need to stay humble and why we need to stay the course. Right. Yeah. And I hope I hope this does have a lasting impact on them. I don't want them to I don't want it to be normalized anymore. I can't be normal. I mean, it's as far as I'm concerned, it's like literal poison you're putting in your body. And uh, for some people, I guess it works. But um, that's not what we do here. I agree. Tell me what you say to people. And I know you've been in the middle of this pandemic during this last streak. But what is your go-to response when someone offers you a drink? You know, I, I it hasn't happened very often because I, um, you know, I haven't been sober for very long. But um, yeah, I mean, I'm just honest with them about it. So you know, it happens a lot with family. They'll ask me, "Hey, do you want a beer or something?" And you know, the the most disheartening thing is when I when I say, you know, no, I'm good, and or I mention my sobriety to them, and the response is, "Well, why are you doing that?" 
that's that's been the worst response I've gotten. But um, that that's rare. Most of the time, I'm, there's a lot of support. And yeah, it's not hard for me to just tell them, you know, what's going on because I've been through enough and I'm, I'm done. I'm done feeling that way. I'm done being unhealthy. I'm trying to do something positive for my family and I'm not ashamed of that. So I'm, I'm, it's easy for me to tell people, um, how I feel and what I'm going through and that I don't want to drink. What's hard sometimes is the response I get. Yeah, we definitely get those random one-offs of like, wait, are you trying to tell me that I should drink right now when I'm telling you it's not what's best for me? But, you know, I feel like we learn a lot of detachment on this journey and it sounds like you are already in that space where you're comfortable talking about it. And sometimes a lot of the responses that we get, people either don't care or when it's a kind of a funky response, a lot of the time it's just something that maybe possibly got triggered within them. And especially if you shared that within your family, it's very normalized to drink, then that's probably going to bring up some, some stuff, right? Every time we change for some people, sure. it's, that's just not comfortable. Well, and I, yeah, I try to take it with a grain of salt because I know for them, they're, they're not in the same headspace that I. Taking it with a grain of salt, not everyone is on the same wavelength as we are. And I, I'm glad you have that understanding and you're not taking it personally because because it's not about us a lot of the times. And tell me a little bit more about your relationship, if you're comfortable. Like, have you noticed a difference in your relationship with your wife? And I know that she was encouraging you to get help. Have you noticed a shift? Um, is it better just if you feel comfortable talking about that? Yeah, that's fine. Um, yeah, I, the one thing I was really thankful for, you know, regarding that is, I could tell it was bothering her and a couple times she did express herself and, and tell me that it wasn't working for her and that, you know, there were situations that she, that did upset her. But, um, for the most part, she let me, she kind of let me be me and do my thing and she didn't get in the way of it. And I found sobriety, she was supportive and inspired me. Don't get me wrong. A huge part of this is because of her, but at the same time, I kind of found sobriety on my own, and I'm thankful for that. And that's something I actually talked to her afterwards. I it would just kind of came up organically. I wasn't wasn't like one of the twelve steps or whatever. It's just something I thought about hanging out with her in the garage one night. I was looking back on some of my moments, and I was like, "Man, you've been a really good sport." And I'm surprised you weren't more vocal about the situation we were in. And I am really sorry you had to go through all that. And, you know, it was a kind of a nice life moment because she was thankful for my apology and told me how proud she was of me. So um, I, don't, I don't know if it was the, the best way to go about things or not. But for us, that worked. Me being able to find myself without having someone telling me I needed to do that. You know, them telling me for me that I needed to do that. Me doing it on my own was a big deal. It's a huge deal. And I'm really glad that you have her. I know the reason why I even asked if you were comfortable talking about this. We get a lot of questions from people who are in relationships where either one person's trying to not drink or the two of them or uh, one person's trying to get the other person to not drink. And it's it's hard and relationships are hard as it is. But I do think that the hardest part, not just with drinking, but with any type of change is like people need to come to 
the decision of changing on their own terms. And of course, it's important to set boundaries and whatever you're going to allow or not allow. That's a very personal decision. But you truly can't force change on people and detaching and kind of staying on your lane and loving people while they're beating at the beat of their own drum. That's hard to do. And it sounds like you have someone who's doing that with you. Well, yeah. And I, I, you know, that's why sometimes I'm apprehensive to talk to people close to me who I know have a problem because it's like, you know, I don't want to be that guy that I quit. So not everyone else has to quit for one. And also, you know, I, I think if you're going to quit, it's got to be something you really want to do for yourself. And I can just see it when I talk to people about my sobriety that I can see it in their eyes that there's no way they're ever going to quit or at least not anytime soon. And so as much as I want to say something, I'm apprehensive for that reason. Yeah, you you have to meet people where where they are at. And it sounds like that's kind of what you're talking about. So I'm really glad you have her support. And I'm really glad you had that moment because I bet you she felt so great with that conversation of you letting her know that you appreciate her. And sometimes that's all it takes. You know, like I see you and I know this probably was hard and thanks <laughs> like thanks <laughs> right thanks for putting up with me i mean she still puts up with me in other ways i'm still i'm still pain but <laughs> I'm, but yeah that was a that was a big detriment to our family life for sure and now that's now that that's not there i mean it's been really good for us for sure can you tell me a little bit more about like do you have any specific routines during the day? Do you do anything in the morning that sets you up for success? I know you mentioned running. Do you have any type of routine now? I wish I had time cuz I used to do that. I used to get up before work and go for a run and I think that's that's really good, but you know, I'm up at like 4 a.m. sometimes cuz I have, you know, we manage customers overseas and the time difference. So I got to be to work early, so I don't really have time and then, you know, our you know, our girls take up a lot of our time. Usually by the time they're going to bed, I'm going to bed. So, um, but yeah, working out is a big one for sure, though. It's a big stress reliever. I still try to find time for it at least a couple times a week. And then on weekends, I make up for it. I do a lot there too. But that's a, yeah, that's a big part of it. And then just keeping my mind busy. If I have any downtime at all, I'm, I'm reaching for a book or playing a game or doing something. You know, I'm, I, I try not to sit still too much because um, that's when the cravings set in. And just, plus, I just don't think that's healthy. You know, I don't think it's good to be. I do like to be lazy. I am lazy at times, but I don't think that's good to be like that all the time. Do you find that having more of a structure helps, like not just being busy, but with work? Do you have some sort of a set structure that just keeps you kind of on task and focused? Yeah, I mean, I kind of do. I, I mean, just the work itself, having that to do every day, you know, just having a routine has been has been really helpful to me. It's, it's hard to say uh, specifically what the structure is. Um, I guess the structure is just you know, having something that, you know, helps you build a strong livelihood that has a sense, gives you a sense of purpose, makes a big difference. I often, I will joke about that too with friends and stuff that, you know, my goal in life isn't to be happy. It's to do something that has purpose. You know, you can't put all your eggs in that basket. Humans weren't meant to be happy all the time, but if you're doing something that gives you a sense of purpose, the byproduct of that is, you know, most of the time happiness, not all the time, but it, it gives it, it keeps you moving forward. And for me, it's been helping me stay clean. And I feel like that's what 
my career and having a family has done for me. Have you noticed that your sleep has improved or was your sleep ever negatively impacted by alcohol and you've noticed a change? Yeah, it's it's helped me a lot. I mean, it's it was it's a little weird like <laughs> going to bed still cuz I that's that was another reason I drank. It was to help me it would knock me out, mm-hmm. you know, cuz I have so much going on in my mind. And it would I felt like it was helping me sleep, but really that wasn't the case. You know, I would wake up at you know, two, three in the morning often, you know, and I just, I I couldn't go back to sleep. I was very sleep deprived all the time. And uh, so, yeah, I noticed that my sleep has improved a great deal ever since uh, getting sober. That's great. Yeah. Your body's regulating itself again. And sleep is, sleep is really good, especially when you have the kiddos to keep up with. So I'm glad you're getting some rest. All right, Kyle. Well, we've reached the rapid fire round. If you can answer these questions in 30 seconds or less, that would be fabulous. Are you ready? Okay. Okay. If you could talk to Kyle on day one, what would you say? Okay. Uh, Well, as corny as it sounds, I would tell myself to show a little self-love and also to try to understand the science behind drinking and why you crave it so much. You know, really analyze it and try to understand the price that has to be paid if you're going to be you know if you're going to be an alcoholic if you're going to stay with it because it's just not worth it this is a side question from my rapid fire but did you have you found any resources that kind of explain just because i know you've brought it up a couple of times like how the brain works and operates when you're drinking yeah, it's uh, there's a couple books I got into. One was Easy Way by Alan Carr, and the other one was uh, This Naked Mind. So those those two helped a lot. And then just talking to people, you know, other pe- like-minded people who are dealing with the with this addiction, yeah, that's helped a lot too. All right. And what is your favorite non-alcoholic drink, Kyle? I like coffee. <laughs> I know it's kind of a boring answer, but I really like coffee. So that, and, um, you know, I'm actually trying to find a, on the weekends, I like to, I like to drink soda and I'm actually trying to find a good energy drink cause I've been trying them and they just all taste like garbage to me. So that, that's something I've been, you know, I like, I like cherry and vanilla soda, but I also like that kick. I like ca- the caffeine. So aspect of it. So I've been looking for an energy drink. I can't find one. So coffee is my main go-to. I love coffee, and I do like a brand of energy drinks. I don't drink a ton of them, but they're called Celsius. So Celsius, okay, yeah. off the I actually do really like them. They have great flavors, and I, I think they don't have, like, really crappy chemical ingredients, which is one of the reasons why I like them, too. So if you ever see a Celsius, you'll have to let me know if you tried it and what you thought. <laughs> okay. Okay, what parting piece of guidance can you give to listeners who are thinking about ditching the booze? Yeah, that's a that's a good one. Um, so yeah, I guess um, you know if you haven't tried it and you're thinking about it, you know you you you're you're probably thinking about it because you have a problem. I hate to say so, you know, just try it on and see what it does for you. And, you know, try to, you know, I only I can only speak from my own perspective on this. But going back to what I've already said, you know, try to understand it, you know, analyze it and understand, you know, why why it's good for you to quit and understand that 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 euphoria, that good feeling that alcohol gives you can be achieved in other ways. And before we depart, give listeners your own, you may have to say adios to booze if lying. 
you might want to ditch the booze if you mention it to your wife that you're not sure what to say for your might want to ditch the booze line and she gives you a list of your top 10. <laughs> oh my gosh. I really like your wife already, Kyle. Hello, Kyle's yeah. wife. <laughs> yeah, she uh, she just laughed. She said, okay, well, I, I have a few for you. And yeah, it's it was like, oh yeah, okay, I remember that. <laughs> She remembers all those times, but like I said, I'm really glad you have her, and I'm really grateful that you reached out and that you shared your story with our listeners. I can't wait to air this, and thank you so much, Kyle. I appreciate you. Ah, Thank you. I appreciate you. Thanks for your time. Take care. Very well, Timari. That's a wrap for our interview. And before I say adios, I want to say thank you. I spoke earlier on the show about how it took me many day ones to get where I am today. This week, I'm celebrating my two-year sober birthday, and I am feeling extra grateful. Without you, I wouldn't be the host. This podcast was the first tool I stumbled upon when I reached for help, and I still can't believe that I get to be behind the microphone now. Life works in beautiful ways, friends. The challenges are always popping up, but try your best to truly believe that life is always rigged in your favor trust and stay the course. Remember that you're not alone and together is always better. Recovery Elevator, everything that you need is already inside of you. I love you guys. How do you know this is the experience you need? Because this is the experience you're having at this moment. In the seeing of who you are not, the reality of who you are emerges by itself. Life isn't as serious as my mind makes it out to be. Being must be felt. It can't be thought. Your inner purpose is to awaken.